the nachos. No rain, nor wind, nor snow classico. Putting the high line with Rabbi and Red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. With questions from you and analysis. In your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holding the Hello, Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. We are brought to you by Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. Nicholas Mosquita is trading green chili for Moussaka. And I finally have seen a soccer match at Providence Park in Portland, Oregon. I'm joined now by a man who I will be seeing in the face this weekend, a man who this Monday, the 4th of July, will be returning to Dick's Sporting Goods Park for the first time since moving to Pittsburgh, like four years ago, just so that he can turn the lights off and carry me home, Rabbi Mark Goodman. I don't think I can carry you home, Matt, especially since I think you're driving. Uh, I mean, we could Uber, but, uh, you know, after the press conference, we're going to be real lonely in that parking lot all by ourselves. Maybe we can take a bicycle home. Uh, one of you can steal one of the training bikes out of the training room. How you doing, buddy? What was Portland like? The 90 minutes notwithstanding, Mark, I'll say the, the final 60 minutes really oh, notwithstanding, uh, was an extremely enjoyable experience. Off the top of my head, I don't believe I've been to the state of Oregon. So I was asking my mom about various travels, like had I been in Oregon, albeit to just like in Portland for a day or some travel, and I just don't remember it, and she didn't think so. So I believe it's my first time in the state of Oregon, obviously the city of Portland. Um, really great atmosphere with the game. Obviously a friend, uh, David, got to hold me up there. So I got to hang out with him and his uh, dog, Jake. Uh, did you buy tickets or did you sit in the press box? I was a ticketed spectator, Mark, to a Rapids game for you. the first time since 2018. So yeah, David oh had God. the had the hookup with some really nice seats on the camera angle side. That's the... Uh, first baseline for those of you who think about Providence Park from a baseball standpoint. So the angle that the TV camera has, we're just behind where that angle is. So really, really great seats. None of the obstructions of some of the old um, poles and support uh, beams that you had for the roof and everything. We had the army to our left and everything. Really, really great atmosphere. Obviously um, was relatively close to the Rapids bench, so had a nice close-up view and everything. Really intimate enclosed atmosphere that is very different to DSG that I can appreciate. And Providence Park is just kind of straight out of downtown. So, you know, you're walking through and there's businesses and high-rises and there's apartments and um, public transit and uh, higher-ish office buildings. And suddenly out of nowhere, similar to Wrigley Field to that, just the stadium pops up out of nowhere, albeit still relatively small to some of the other downtown buildings. Um, the entire It'd be the north side of the stadium, which is the Timbers Army end. Uh, that section gets that street gets closed down, and that entire walkway is just lined with bike racks, and they're completely full within thirty minutes of kickoff. So um, we ended up when you build your stadium near where people can bike to the stadium. Guess what? People bike to the stadium when you build your stadium. 15 miles from anything, <laughs> uh, then they have to drive. Or take the party bus with C-38. Yeah, so we actually we took the train to that, Mark. I believe that's the first. That's one of the few sporting events that are certainly soccer games that I've gone to where I've actually taken public transit and then entirely really? on the right rail system that we have. So David and I, like, we walked around. Portland's got, like, a lot of – it's clusters of little neighborhoods with, like, street centers where everything is kind of busy. And then maybe yep. two to three blocks out of that, it kind of diffuses into um, – I'd say densest neighborhood, like not quite like suburbs in terms of how far houses can be out. I guess the decent Denver comparisons I would put, Mark, is similar to your old neck of the woods of South Broadway, where there's a lot going on South Broadway, but then you go three or four blocks away and you could be in a sleepy little neighborhood that's just, you know, right behind Main Street in some right. rural town somewhere in middle America. Another good comparison I would put is maybe Old Arvada off of, I think it's Wadsworth is the main street that they have in that 
area, similar sure. vibes to that in the part of the uh, the city that we were in um, with David, and then also um, where he and I went to for breakfast on match day, and then obviously we were all downtown kind of beer hopping from place to place. Had a lot of really good beers. The ones at the stadium were good by those standards. I wouldn't say those were the best beers that I had in the area. So um, overall, good trip. Great to see it for the first time. A fantastic stadium. Highly recommend it. If you are an MLS fan, this is a pilgrimage that you must make. You must go to a game at Providence Park, your team or otherwise, uh, before you die. But uh, as we'll get to in a little bit, Mark, obviously, many aspects of my trip were wonderful. Uh, The 90 minutes itself was not so much fun. Yeah, um, I'm, I've so I've been to away games at Seattle, LAFC, Cincinnati. Uh, I feel like I've been to a couple other games, but I'm not remembering them right now. But all of those games I took public transit to, um, and and they were all they all had really good public transit access. So um, and and that includes LAFC, which you know the the knock on Los Angeles is that like you know nobody walks in LA and it's a driving culture. Um, I'll say that I've taken, uh, you know, combos of buses and trains to to LAFC from from uh, from across LA uh, and had a really good experience with it. So yeah, um, he he says to a guy who's currently working on a large transit project. I mean, like you know, uh, nothing. I am out of I'm out of my element, Donnie. You're out of your element. Anyways. On with it. Yeah, no, Mark, uh, we actually, the light rail line that we actually took that I can't remember, it was $5 for a day pass, which I think is relatively cheap given, I think, the size and the scale of Portland. And we actually went over one of the more famous bridges in the area. I can't remember. uh, I might have this stat wrong, Mark, but I think it's it's the busiest bridge in America in terms of types of transit because there's car transit there's a train that goes over it there's a separate pedestrian walkway that's possible there's a separate biking transit that's possible so for example you think about i think it's the brooklyn bridge where there's kind of the walking the joint walking and bike path that go down the middle and then cars on the side going opposite sides these are it's four separate modes of transit all separated safely from each other all on one bridge so um fantastic experience and everything cool from an architecture standpoint uh, i appreciated the the neighborhoods and the cultural vibes that i had uh food was great food was extremely organic very healthy for me got to even go on a hike through an arboretum to get the nice little backdrop of uh downtown and then mount hood that really pops compared to the rocky mountains even more so than long's peak for me on the front range but uh as we'll get to mark This past Saturday at the aforementioned Providence Park, the uh, Colorado Rapids were defeated by a score of 3-0, still looking for that first win on the road in 2022 in MLS play. Mark, I think the Rapids had overall a decent opening 35 minutes. It was a lot of absorbing pressure. Portland had more of the ball. They got into good areas, but struggled to really break them down. Danny Wilson was active. William Yarbrough with a really good kick save on Sebastian Blanco in the 34th minute. First big opportunity for the Pids for me came in the 37th Jonathan Lewis nice sequence in transition he cuts inside proceeds to shoot decent save by the goalkeeper was not right at Ivanovic nor was it punted into you know halfway up the Timbers army into one of their drums or anything um and then things kind of go south obviously Mark in stoppage time of the first half William Yarbrough is called for a penalty after VAR reviews that no question for me folks there was contact inside the box there was no way he was getting the ball in any way shape or form that was a penalty for me Yarbrough was down for a decent period. Robin Frazier says after the match that he was out for a little bit, but said that afterwards he kind of felt better and better. I don't get the sense, Mark, that there's a concussion protocol situation. He might have just had the wind knocked out of him. He might have just taken... And I might have just been knocked out and needed a day or two to recoup. We'll talk in a little bit what that means as far as goalkeeper depth, given uh, Clint Irwin's recent knock as well. Sebastian Blanco knocks in the PK against Abraham Rodriguez, who subbed on for Yarbrough to make his MLS debut. Rubio has a really good free kick that uh, is denied in the 49th minute, and then Barrios with a follow-up that doesn't go in. And then in the 54th, it goes 2-0 to Iloma to Nias Goda over the top, ghosting into the back shoulder of Danny Wilson. Very, very similar to Dallas Magno the other week. 
Uh, kind of a question there, Mark, of whether or not uh, it should have been a handball. I've looked at this multiple times. The angle that we got in the stadium, folks, was not very good at all. But I can Mark, that's right on the boundary for me, just like the Nathan non-PK earlier against San Jose. In that regard, between those two, you figure those two are kind of on the fence, coin flips. The Rapids came up tails on both of those. In any case, it's 2-1 in the 54th minute. And then Nias Goda um, with some nice little... He finds some space uh, between the center backs in the 62nd minute to make it 3-0. Mark, I don't know how productive it is to talk about the final 30 minutes. I think the Rapids were well and beaten at that point. Abrod make a, made a couple good saves. Uh, Rabbi, let's start with bad things, please. You're leaving me with the alternative at the end of a few minutes of talking about this that I will have no good things. This game was bad for the Rapids, I thought. Really, really bad. Um, uh... I haven't written it yet, but the piece that I'm going to write for Backpass this week is going to be entitled No Vibes, because without uh, Jack Price, we are a no vibes team. Like, there's no spark. There's no life. Um, You know, let's start by the lineup and the rollout. Um, This was a 4-3-3, or depending on how you look at it, a 4-1-4-1. And it put uh, the center three as Mark Anthony K alongside uh, Diego Rubio, backed by Colin Warner. And Colin Warner's fine, but he doesn't really add a whole lot. He's an average tackler, below average passer. He does not move the ball forward much. He won't show up, you know, in the final half of the field in any way that is productive. Um, then you've got Diego Rubio, who's not really a pass-centric striker, pretending to be an attacking midfielder. And he has, like, he was physically in spaces where he could deny the opponent, but he is not a defender, and he's not a great, he's not a bad defender, but he's not a good defender either. Um, so he he was kind of a nothing burger for me in midfield, and Kay, I just didn't feel him there, in the and, and that's probably because the other midfielders weren't really present either. I mean, like, the way the Rapids you know, kind of pursued this game, I looked up at some point, and I don't know what the final number was, but Around the 75th minute, the Rapids were listed as having 45% possession to um, Portland's uh, 55% possession, which is really bad when you consider, you know, they were trailing. uh, uh, They were, you know, Portland had a lead for a bunch of that. Usually when you get a 1-0 lead, you start to sit on it. When you get a 2-0 lead, you start to sit on it. When you get a 3-0 lead, you start to sit on it. But, like, they really, you know... Portland commanded possession. Um, the Rapids really couldn't find much. The greatest opportunity the Rapids had was in the 80th minute. They had a double shot on goal where um, Lewis uh, picked up the ball and he made three touches um, before being denied. And the ball was recircle- recirculated right back from, I think, Barrios to um, is either Barrios or Rubio, right back to Jossi Zardes, who either flubbed it or got blocked from, like, basically point-blank range. And both were awful in the sense that, like, Lewis did a thing that Lewis does a lot, which is have no awareness when he's really close to goal. And instead of hitting it first time with his right foot, he took a touch with his left and then another touch, and then he, was he like, aced himself into a terrible angle. He had an amazing angle on the goal that he could have slotted away. Now, you're right, Matt. At that point, you know, you said in the run-up, like... um, like, why, why bother talking about the final 20 minutes? It didn't matter. We were already beat, you know, to heck by by uh, by three to nothing. But, like, they can't even score when given really easy opportunities because we don't have good finishing right now. So I found this game really frustrating, um, really difficult. I'll go back and just make one last comment about the Yarbrough thing. Um, I just came off watching the game, um, and... Uh, watching someone with a head injury really bothers me. It's really hard to watch. It's really, really hard for me to watch. Um, I've I've never knowingly had a concussion. Um, I'm very, I don't know why, but like I've read a lot of, I think you all have heard of this on the podcast if you guys go back a couple of years, but um, I am really sensitive to head injuries. When I see someone looking dazed or I see someone who looks really messed up, like, I think it's because I've read a lot about it and, and thought a lot about it. And, and I just feel like 
I get really worried about a sports environment which inflicts permanent damage on the participants, right? It feels to me, and this is going to be a bit editorial and a little bit, you know, kind of lily-livered, kind of me on my liberal soapbox, but indulge me. Like, I feel really dirty paying for sports knowing that I may be transactionally participating in the exploitation of someone's like lifelong head injury. Do you know what I mean? Like I really worry that a guy, um, you know, is going to have like migraines or, or, or problems later on um, when, and, and, and to that end, by the way, I think MLS's pro, uh, concussion protocols are very good. I was really glad to see the doctor run right out on the field you know, and I, I really hope for, for the best for Yarbrough, but I, but I, it worries me more than any other, uh, situation in the game. Um, and I, I just hope that, uh, that he's taken care of and that he's not rushed back, uh, on based on anything to your point, Matt, considering that we really don't have any, any goalkeeper depth right now. Like if we don't have Yarbrough, we've got Abrod and Abrod is 19 years old. So it was all bad. My bad things are everything, Matt. Everything was bad. There was nothing good about this game, except you getting to go to Portland and chugging beers with, with your bros. Yeah, no. Um, uh, well, let's talk about A. Rodriguez, Mark, who made... That was a good thing! Yes, who made his MLS debut, and given that he was playing for a team that was going to absorb a lot of pressure, and he had to make a lot of saves, and he gave... For a debut where you come on immediately get scored on via a penalty and then end up losing 3-0. Did you see him talk trash? He was talking trash to Sebastian Blanco. It was awesome. He walks right up, he starts chatting at him, and the referee's like pushing him back. I was like, kid, you are the vibes guy. That's awesome. Yes, so that was a good thing. Sorry, Matt. But the the other thing that'll... (laughs) Abe Rodriguez was uniquely prepared for this because of his time with Rapids, too, because it's like, oh, our center backs are in a mess because we have injuries and because we don't have a defensive shape in front of me and we're giving up really good chances to opponents. Okay, I can can go through this. I can talk and communicate with guys. I can try and give them confidence. I can make it so that we don't lose 4-0. Now... Abrod is the is the goalkeeper in uh, Mighty Ducks Two, where they just duct tape him to the goal and shoot pucks at him for an hour because you know they need to get him ready. And then he's like, "All right, I can do this." Yeah. So, like, if if we look at the advanced analytics here, Mark, uh, the shot attempts were nineteen to nineteen. But if you look at it, Portland had an xG according to MLSsoccer dot com of three point one. The Rapids had an xG of one point five. But if you look at them. There's three distinct, really high-quality opportunities that Portland all got, all three of which led to goals. So it's roughly 79% XG associated to a penalty. Blanco scores on that. And the two nearest go-to opportunities, you know, were a bit of a sharp angle, but effectively a breakaway with one guy near you. That had a 62% chance of going in. And the final shot that he had virtually a tap in, albeit with guys around him, had an 80% chance of going in. The rest of all the other opportunities that both teams got the rest of the game, were very, very low. So to your point, Rabbi, of saying that, you know, Jonathan Lewis has an opportunity, you know, that had like a 10% chance of going in. That doesn't get converted. Giassi Zardes had one of those. Diego Rubio had the free kick. Even the Giassi rebound that he had in the 80th minute uh, you know, that was absolutely, that was, you know, completely in garbage time, had a one-third chance, roughly, of going in. The Rapids don't naturally create these high-quality opportunities. When they have had them, I'd say Diego Rubio is converted on them. I'd say we have a few other moments in which other individuals have converted have converted on those. But overall, it was a tight game where Portland had more of the ball, got the ball into better areas. The Rapids absorbed a lot of pressure, got some lucky heroic emergency defending. But then ultimately, there were three really good opportunities. Portland converted on all of them. The Rapids didn't have that one talismanic, oh my god, this is our high chance, this has to get scored on. And as you pointed out with the rest of the other scraps, Giassi Zardes is not super effective. And when you're playing a team that's comfortable not having the ball, and is also comfortable not having the ball at home, particularly when they're in a lead, that kind of negates whatever benefit you were going to have in the 4-3-3 in transition, trying to play to a Jonathan Lewis or trying to play to a Michael Barrios, which kind of brings it to... to I'm, I'm going to echo and maybe preemptively retweet your point mark that you're going to make in back pass this week of just like not having jack price immediately everything that was going to happen in this game completely fell apart and it's not just on jack price in the sense that like 
even if we had him, he can't carry the team. You know, other people need to be electric instead of being kind of meh. And I think the other thing about this team is that it's very meh against a very meh opponent. Like, there's nothing about Portland that screams, you know, we need to be on our best game in order to beat them. Like, they're not very good. And, you know, the, the, the stunning thing is when you look back at our last five games, you know, our one win is over Seattle, who are fantastic at many positions. They just came out incredibly flat against us and couldn't pull off anything. So anyways, I apologize. I interrupted you. That's the, you know, that's kind of where the key frustration for me is, Mark, because this team is at their best when they're preventing those opportunities and at least controlling things in midfield. And without Jack Price to be there and kind of control both individually, be in the engine room, and then also be barking orders and controlling the shape, they were reacting rather than actually anticipating or dictating any of the play whatsoever. And to be to be fair, I saw this in person, obviously. Diego Rubio was trying to do that. Congratulations, Diego Rubio. You are average playing out of position at the position of strength of possibly the best player on the Rapids and the captain of the Rapids. You are average in that out of position role for a guy who is very, very good top five at what Jack Price tries to do on over the course of 90 minutes from the run of play for the Colorado Rapids. And so in the absence of being able to overcome that, or as we'll get to in a bit, Mark, maybe not having Nicholas Mosquito who can have a little more energy and mobility than a Colin Warner. They were just, they were reacting. They were a step slow. They were behind the eight ball. Credit to all four of the center backs, uh, all four of the defenders, excuse me. Credit to Colin Warner at times. Credit credit to William Yarbrough before he got hurt. Credit to Abe Rodriguez when he subbed on that they were able to have a couple of those good emer- key emergency defending actions to prevent it from being four really high scoring opportunities that could have led to a four nil or a five nil or God forbid something worse like that but just fundamentally mark as soon as robin decided to go four at the back i don't think the rapids had the defensive coverage to make up for the lack of organization they missed without jack price i think this game was extremely emblematic of problems that can exist when they don't have that three center back setup that danny wilson is used to passing out of that central channel that um well, Lalo Sabubakar was unavailable excuse me that austin trustee is used to kind of only having to navigate one third of the back third one third of the final third so i'll say the left third of the final third rather than having to be in that situation and so i just mark this game showed me that on the road the colorado rapids should not come out in a 4-3-3 with gustavo viasina and danny wilson that is not a recipe for success and in the absence of jack price with other issues they have in the midfield just that midfield is swiss cheese they are going to not be able to dictate play they are going to give up chances and it's going to be very difficult for them to pick up results Last big thing that I have, Mark, is uh, Jossie Zardes had an XG of just over one half. I think it was 0.55 that he was supposed to get. He was mostly invisible for me in this game, Mark. The chances that he did get seemed serendipitous or seemed out of somebody else creating something. Does he move decently well? Does he try to press well? Does he make life slightly annoying for the opposing center backs when they're on the ball? Yes. Does he do that markedly better than Diego Rubio? Absolutely not. He was toothless in the attack. He was toothless in possession. I I don't know who else I would have put in central midfield, but I can't think of a way for the only way that I could have thought for the Rapids to have any more firepower up top was to put uh, Diego Rubio up top. So, Mark, honestly, I, I would have gone. I don't even know how you would have done this from a personnel standpoint. Let me go and check. Who were the midfield bench options that I could have put in this one? I mean. This sounds crazy. I don't like it, but I would have gone. I would have gone three five two. I would have brought in Gustavo Viasia. I would have brought in Lucas Estevez, and I would have told. Uh, I would have told Mark Anthony K and Max to just run and cover as much space as possible. And I would have put Rubio and Barrios up top. And I just said we're defending with eight, and then hopefully you guys are going to try and create something in transition. I don't know that it would have led to a better result, Mark, but uh, I, I don't know how this team is going to be effective from the midfield if Jack Price continues to be injured this season. And I'm increasingly worried about what this attack is going to look like if it's just not Diego Rubio being the center of it. And on that note, Mark, I'm going to up my dial. I'm going to put the my GLC Dartist DEFCON meter is now at a two. Yeah. So your options at midfield, uh, if Jack Price is hurt, are Brian Acosta, Max, um, and... Anthony Marcanic 
and Philip Mayaka, who everybody basically argues is not ready for prime time. Those are your options, you know, up, you know, because you're the assumption is you're already putting Kay and Warner on. Um, and in the other 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 than those guys, your options are to use wingers and bring them inside and see what they can do. And I don't think any of that is going to work. I mean, I don't think Jonathan Lewis isn't the craziest idea in the world, um, considering we didn't get great results from Diego Rubio. And it's the same kind of setup. But like, this is all just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic right now. The really important, excuse me, the really important point that I think you're making that I'm making that feels like, you know, there was a shift for me from talking about the Giassi Zardas DEFCON meter to talking about the Colorado Rapids season DEFCON meter, where it seems like this this game was really bad. Uh, it it seemed like we're really deficient at multiple positions. It feels like we're we're three players shy of a full deck here right now. If that's not a mixed metaphor, I don't know what it is. Um, but that's really troubling. Like, I think we were in ninth place in this game, uh, in, in the, in the league right now. And I'm looking at the teams below us and thinking like, well, we can stay up on probably Kansas city and San Jose. But other than that, I think we're cruising very comfortably towards a solid 12th place finish this season. Well, well out of the playoffs. If we can't really start turning things around, because honestly, other than those two teams in Vancouver, we're really not better than any team in the Western Conference right now. Yeah, no, um, I uh, nothing else to. I have nothing else to say about this game, Mark. Shall we move on? Blah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark, one player who was not available for the team in the eighteen over the weekend was Nicholas Fusquita, as uh, the altitude broadcast alluded to and as has since been confirmed by both clubs, uh, Nicholas Mosquita has been transferred from the Colorado Rapids to Volos FC in the Greek Super League. That's the first division, for those of you who weren't aware. Uh, they finished 10th, uh, slightly, I'll say lower third, mid-table last year, Mark. Uh, Nicholas Mosquita, 30 years old, uh, scored six goals and nine assists for the Colorado Rapids in 84 games. He was with the club for four seasons if we're counting at if we're counting this season as one and in his MLS career combined between the PIDs and the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, he played in 69 games nice 18 goals 13 assists in just over 7,000 minutes played uh, really good vibes guy Mike Mark uh, well liked within the locker room both in Vancouver and in Colorado, worked really hard, I think increasingly shown for a team that was going to try and be competitive in the playoffs. He was not going to be a starter, but he was going to come on. He was going to bring a lot of energy. He had a little bit of quality, and he was a hardworking, you know, you ask me to do something, I will do it. And in that regards, he was befitting of Robin Frazier's Rapids ball. Somewhat unremarkable, had flashes of brilliance, but hardworking and extremely humble. And in that regard, Mark, he will be missed. What will what will you remember, Rabbi, about Skeeter with the Burgundy Boys? It was just such a fun interview when I did it last year. That that's that was the highlight. Um, you know, I I, uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, yeah, I think you know his his on field impact. Uh, he had some really nice sub on roll stuff in his first season and then that just kind of declined over the years into this which is i think his third season with the team um where basically like yeah he came on he ran around for 10 minutes he caused a little mayhem but he he wasn't much of a threat um to kind of change the 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 game so he eventually turned into a late game let someone else get a break uh you know kind of option when you when you need a guy to just fill in, but you don't really need a goal, which is not a very useful position, to be honest. Um, but he does have a good attitude. He's also one of those guys where, you know, you see him in training and he gives 110%, and that's really valuable too. Because you don't, you know, you want a guy who has good energy at, on the practice pitch, um, who who's a professional, who knows the league. Um, you know, those guys are pretty, are, are pretty valuable. I mean, I'll just say like, I'm going to compare him semi unfavorably though, to like an Alan Gordon, right? Alan Gordon, not the most warm and cuddly dude in the, in the, in the locker room. I mean, a, another MLS veteran type guy, but, but a bit more of a, you know, not, not quite as much of a, of a team wide glue kind of guy. But Gordon would get a goal in the 80th minute when you needed him to. You know, he'd rise up and pound one in with his head. 
because that's what he did. Um, and you couldn't do that with Mesquita, and so that kind of made his made his usefulness run out at the end. Mark, it's widely believed to be a free transfer. I can't imagine if there was a transfer fee that it was very significant. I also have to wonder, Mark, is this a indication that just with him being 30 years old now and options coming up in terms of the academy and just younger players that the club wants to sign, was this just simply them making a move that they were going to make in the offseason anyways? He was, you know, he signed a one-year deal uh, last offseason. Uh, he was making, I think, the veteran minimum 84K and everything. Like, let's free up a roster spot. Let's get a guy out of here. Or may, I don't know much financially about the state of the Greek league. I know Greece as a country hasn't been good in the last decade as far as, like, countries in Europe from a financial standpoint. But if there's a decent pay rise or at very least an opportunity for him to play a little bit more, I can see where that's something that he would certainly entertain. And for a, Europe, a move to Europe where it would be better to do it in the summer and then maybe that leads to something else. Was going to be better for him than, you know, at the end of the year, like, hey, Nico, you didn't play a whole lot. We could get a young kid who at least has some upward trajectory and everything. We're going to let you go. And, you know, good luck trying to find a team in the USL championship that's going to give you one last cash bit uh, that's going to make sense based on how you much you had made in the past. So, uh, Mark, I guess officially, um, can I, I unanimously vote now that uh, we make a Volos our, um, uh, our, our Greek team? Without a doubt. Okay, the only one I know, Mark, does does, Olympianico, does Olympiacos, do they have a, a Jewish connection, possibly? Why would they? Greece has the smallest number of Jews of almost any country in Europe. It always had a small number, and then... Oh, they, I, I meant in terms of, like, did they have some random, like, decent starter for the Israeli national team? Did you know not, of that? Not that I know of. It, um, the Israelis, Israelis have always... Um, has very often gone to the Belgian League, sometimes the Dutch League, Championship, Scottish League. Those are the places that Israeli players... We have one guy who plays for Shakhtar in Ukraine, uh, but obviously they're just barnstorming and doing exhibition matches now. But like, yeah, we that's that's Israel's jam. I've, I don't remember any Israeli players with Greece, but it's possible, even though it's right across the water. <laughs> okay, so in any case, uh, it should be pointed out, uh, Mark, that there is a um, that there there's a decent contingency of Spanish speakers. There's a few Spaniards that are nice. on the Volos team, and there's even another Uruguayan, uh, Gene Barrientos, um, is with them as well. So maybe this is a maybe this is a cultural thing. Maybe Volos are trying to start whatever the Greek equivalent of Los Locos de los Rapids is. So um, that'll be be fitting um and their colors mark are red and blue and they do look a little bit like barcelona we, we might have to go with the secondary kit on this one but in any case happy trails to nicholas mosquito you will be um missed football is good life. dude good dude vibes guy yes vibes guys indeed uh Mark, uh, the other two things that we kind of have to point out, um, it, it looks like Andre Rawls, former Colorado Rapids third string goalkeeper, has supposedly been in training with the team with some injuries that they've had. Obviously, they haven't had William Yarbrough. And while Abraham Rodriguez has spent most of this year with Rapids too, during the week, for the most part, he is training with the first team. So there's not there was not as much loss of continuity as one might have thought when he subbed in to the game on Saturday. But Mark, as we've alluded to, there's some concerns about goalkeeper depth um you know it's been a couple weeks uh since uh clint irwin had that injury muscle you think right now would be about the time where maybe he's starting to ramp back up or anything um i haven't heard anything about concussion protocol with william yarbrough but mark your points earlier are well taken there are concerns about what the rapids are doing at the goalkeeper position mark is andre rawls like gonna be the i hate to use this analogy because uh, colorado rapids are to andre rawls are as the U.S. men's national team was Nick Raimondo, where they need a guy who's a good who's a good hang, who knows the locker room, who's going to stay after in training, but in no way is going to see the field. Maybe um, you know they've had that guy for a while, and those guys have uh, other guys like him have hung around in the league. Um, the guy I think most of as Colorado Rapids third string goalkeeper who just just is still around is um, Cody Mizell, who I think right now is. Uh, Still in the league, either with Charlotte or with North Carolina, uh, Charlotte with North Carolina, uh, uh, New York City FC. Um, but uh, you know he 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 didn't make it with the Rapids, but he's still hanging in there with other teams. Um, meanwhile, we've got Andre Rawls, who uh, most recently in 2021 was playing for Phoenix Rising, 
Uh, he played 21 matches for them in that season. And uh, this season, he's probably just been kind of getting tryouts and trying to do his thing and maybe, you know, now getting invited back to be with the Rapids. My assumption, Matt, though, and, you know, you've probably been a training uh, a little bit, but I, it doesn't sound like you have, you've been keeping up on the goalkeeper situation because there wasn't a goalkeeper situation until this week, really, um, which is that I would assume that with Rawls coming into training, they either knew that Abrod should get more time with the twos and really shouldn't be kind of uh, called up as the third goalkeeper, or they they had an inkling that Clint Irwin's injury was going to be more serious and he was going to be down for a longer period of time. Um, Matt, do you know what the injury is with Irwin? And have you heard anything about length of time with that one? Because I originally heard it as, you know, like a, a surprising training injury that uh, didn't really get kind of clarified or disclosed. And then um, it just keeps persisting. I think we're into week two of that injury, right? Maybe week three. Uh, so, Mark, this would have been going back to the New York City FC game. Uh, Clint Irwin was listed as out for that with a groin injury, which is very important for goalkeepers, both uh, both in, in the footy and in hockey as well, Mark. But, you know, like I said, it's it's been a couple weeks. This is something that, you know, sometimes it can be two to three weeks. Sometimes it can linger for a month you know i want to you know we'll see whether or not he comes back um there are stipulations in place folks if you have injuries to have an emergency like goalkeeper pool situation old school mls heads market let's see if you remember this uh that was actually how tim milia got his chance and worked his way into being the starter for uh morning kansas city i'm not suggesting chris sharpie Rapids goalkeeper, former MLS goal, uh, pool goalkeeper too. Yeah, so possibly Andre Rawls is a pool goalkeeper. Possibly there's other pool goalkeepers that the Rapids could pull from that. So don't just think that just because if William Yarbrough is not able to go this Monday, if Clint Irwin's groin is not good to go as well, it's not like the Rapids are going to have to have Abrod starting and then on the bench have to loan up a Rapids 2 goalkeeper. There are other options for them, not that very many of them, but hopefully mark both of those players for their own sake individually and for the sake of the goalkeeper position and depth for the Rapids are back in short order. Anything else injury roster news related that we want to discuss, Rabbi? Or shall we move on to talking all things red, white, and blue and Verde? I can't find a current MLS pool goalkeeper, um, but the last pool goalkeeper uh, in the league uh, was 2021. Craig Greg Ranjitsing, who used to be with Orlando City, um, who I love, by the way. I am a big fan. Trinidad and Tobago, uh, international, uh, and I think a really talented guy, used to be the pool goalkeeper. You are right, Tim Melia was a pool goalkeeper in 2014. Chris Kanapka in 2011. Um, other notable uh, pool goalkeepers include... Was Romando originally a pool goalkeeper, Mark? Uh, not according to this, but that's just because I don't have a, a very good complete list, so... Oh, anyways. But yeah, Tim Melia, the most famous name on there. Oh, Brian Rowe. Brian Rowe, also former pool goalkeeper. I don't think Romando was. I think he was I think he was like the odd man out at Metro Star. That's how he got moved to RSL um when he when that happened and obviously then his career took off. But in any case Listeners, this coming Monday, the 4th of July, the Colorado Rapids will be once again hosting the largest firework display in the state of Colorado. Kickoff will be at 7 p.m. This is a late game for 4th of July, Mark. Normally, we think about noise ordinances and, like, the game has to be at, like, 4 p.m. So that it's over by 6, so the fireworks are at 6.30, so that everybody's out of there by 8.30. And this is even with it technically being the 4th of July, a work night, because Tuesday the 5th, in theory, people do not have off. So that's a little bit of a curious thing, given what we know about the various um, political and uh, uh, government red tape that exists around uh, Commerce City, Colorado. In any case, uh, we are currently 1634s through the Colorado Rapids 2022 season. That reduces down to 817s. Yes, folks, uh, this game on Monday will be the halfway point of the rapid season. They find themselves in 10th in the Western Conference, 19 points, uh, a record of five wins. Seven losses and four draws. They have a goal difference of minus four. And at DSG this season, they have a record of five, one, and two. 
Austin FC find themselves third in the Western Conference, 29 points off of 16 games played, a record of 8-4-4, four, and four, a goal difference of plus 11. Granted, a lot of that goal difference is from shelling two really bad teams in the opening couple weeks of the season. And in any case, away from the treehouse this season, they have a record of 4-3-1. and one. Mark, we knew that Austin was eventually going to be a good team. We knew they had big ideas in terms of how they wanted to play tactically, the types of players that they wanted to recruit, the amount of money they wanted to have spent. Uh, Josh Wolf being, you know, the longtime understudy of Greg Berhalter, finally venturing out on his own to do many good things. And we knew last year they were going to struggle because they did not have a reliable goal scorer and expansion teams struggle in many ways. And I think we came in wondering, could they put it together? We knew it was going to be better. Mark, I don't know that either you or I would have had them where they are right now. At this point in the season, I don't think even the most optimistic people, even Michael LaHood would have predicted that Austin would be at or near <laughs> the upper echelons of the Western Conference. Uh, Sebastian Wissy has been absolutely fantastic. He is their talisman. He is a fantastic DP attacking player. Um, they also have Cecilio, who's been very, very good. Alexander Ring is there. Uh, Jack Price, in terms of role and veteran leadership and familiarity with MLS. Uh, Diego Fagundes continues to be a very, very savvy selection that they had in the MLS Super Draft. Um, they do have Maxi Aruti up top, who's, I would say, Mark, not the poor man, but if, if like Rubio is like the Upper, is the slightly upper middle class, like 60th percentile in that. I would say Diego Rubio is like on the opposite end. He's like the lower half of the middle class in terms of uh, strikers in Major League Soccer and then randomly scoring a worldie, but at the same time missing sitters um, and then also being a cantankerous South American player with a really, really good goal celebration. Very, very CONCACAF-y. Yes, very CONCACAF-y. Bit of a rotating cast in terms of their fullback position, Mark. They haven't really figured out what they're doing in the wide role. Diego Fagundes has played there in a 4-2-3-1. They've played in a 4-3-3 at times, depending on what they want to do uh, with uh, Drizny, um Ethan... Finley has been one of their big acquisitions from that. Um, Rodney Redes kind of was their, their uh, I'd say their equivalent mark to a uh, Brian Galvan who hasn't really uh, come off in MLS yet. Um, I'm still concerned or I have doubts about whether or not their center back depth can hold it up for the whole of the 34 games part. They have been very good. Cascante has been good and he has stepped up with the retirement of Matt Beasler from last season and Brad Stuver continues to be uh, one of the other great American goalkeepers who was just languishing on the bench for one team who has gotten a starting opportunity and has proven his quality. Mark, this is a very good team. This is a team that has proven they can beat the Colorado Rapids and score goals at altitude and given what we've seen the Rapids do in the last two weeks and what they have lacked from an attacking standpoint and how they have been leaky from a defensive standpoint I am very very concerned about what Drissi could do especially if it is against a Rodriguez on Monday it's a good team uh you're right I think uh to me looking at this roster this year compared to last year I didn't see so many upgrades that I thought to myself like Oh, these guys are really, really going to do it this year. Um, Musa Kalilu Dijite, uh, who's been kind of playing as a striker and as a winger for this team. Um, uh, a couple other guys like Ethan Finley off the bench. Colmanic, uh, who comes in at left back when you need him. But other than that, like, just not a whole lot of guys who I looked at at this team and said, you know, they're going to be excellent. But Driussi had a is having a much better year than he did last year. He's just settling in. Um, you know, he didn't start playing until later in the first season. He didn't he didn't uh, join the team until later and he didn't settle in immediately. Um, yeah, your point about Maxi Aruti is kind of thinking like I think we both kind of think like, what is he doing still being a top player <laughs> in Major League Soccer at the age of 31 after having been around with lots and lots of teams? I mean, like. He was a really, really great player for FC Dallas back in 2016 under Oscar Pereja when they were, you know, really, you know, pushing for for big things. But like that was like eons ago, you know. That feels like uh, ancient history. But here he is, or or I think I mean, yeah. Anyways, um, so that that but he has five goals, um, and I think the Rapids would be very happy with a striker who had five goals at this point of the season. Um, they've had a good run of form recently, uh, playing very well. Um, two wins, two draws, and a loss. Uh, their loss was an absolute thumping by the LA Galaxy. 
um, which you could probably tell us more about if you remember it than 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 I can. But um, this is a very good team. They uh, they they have been really they've been beating teams by large margins is the other thing. Um, they've, they've, uh, they've got an 11 goal differential. Um, and they, you know, started the season out with a whole bunch of big wins. Um, so that's kind of like they, they beat inter Miami five, one and Cincinnati five, nothing at the beginning of the season. Plus they have a three nil over Vancouver. And then they settled down after that into a lot more one goal, uh, games. This, you know, the Rapids have a history of coming out gangbusters on July 4th. Um, so that's kind of the main thing. The real question here, I think, is, you know, can they contain Driussi? If they can do that, I think that they'll be in decent shape. But um, we need – we. it would be very helpful if Jack Price was back and healthy. There's no indication that that's the case. Um, it would be very helpful if the Rapids could find – either another formation or another way of getting what they need out of this team in order to put the pieces in order. I don't know how they do that. Um, maybe we give Max another try. Maybe this is the week that Yaya Toure starts, considering he came off the bench in this last match, kind of for garbage time in the 80-somethingth minute. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, like, none of this is... It doesn't feel, doesn't feel real. I don't feel real confident about this match. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you have a lot of concerns, Mark, that I share that I think are absolutely valid. I think just my biggest issue just going back to seeing it in person on the weekend is just how this team tries to build out of the back without Jack Price and just where their defensive shape and coverage and density and spacing and gap control are without him as well. And so I look at that just, you know, against, you know, does Colin Warner have some bite? Yes. Can Mark Anthony K play a mean game? Not necessarily. We haven't really seen that from Max either. So if they're not going to win the positional battle from a defensive intensity standpoint, then that's just going to be more space for Alexander Ring to do what normally Jack Price and Danny Wilson try to do against disorganized defenses. And then if things really get ugly, you have Felipe Martins, who's been an MLS journeyman, who's a Brazilian, who, Mark, I would absolutely, if I had to draft a MLS best 11, I need to win a bar fight or like I need to go to fight club like Felipe Martins would so fit in on like Diego Simeone's MLS team absolutely and so you know is he just is if the Rapids don't win the game don't win the battle in the midfield is Max or um or, or uh, Mark Anthony care they're just going to be eaten alive by this guy so I think you know your the problem statement I think is pretty clear if Jack Price can't go then a couple of key players that we have not seen step up in that regard need to, or Robin Frazier needs to find some creative way from a personnel or a motivational or a defensive tactical shape way of reestablishing that in the midfield. If Price is there and if suddenly he's 90 minutes fit, if they just, you know, if he was 50-50 and decided, ah, let's not risk you against Portland on turf, let's save you, and then you know you'll have, what, nine days between the Saturday game and then the following Monday in order to get right in everything and he's able to go 90 minutes, I feel a lot calmer about that, but they're still going to have to handle Jerissi. We've seen that they've been able to do that at home against Nicolo Dero, against Doral Ruiz and everything. If they're able to do that, I think they've got a chance, um, but on paper, Mark, this as we both we're on of the same mind that there's uh, that this is an uphill battle at the same time we've seen when home games look the most dire when it looks like this team is absolutely has its back against the wall that's often what brings the best out of them like that game against like the home games against Atlanta against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, against Seattle earlier that, you know, was the shock win of the season for me. Absolutely. So um, I would not be shocked at all with a gut check performance, 90 minutes, all 11 guys putting in one of their best performances of the season and finding a way to get a one nil victory. I would not be surprised by a similar result to Nashville or Portland that we've seen in the last two games of a three nil or three one where the Rapids just don't look uh, like they're in it. And by every single optics and statistic and measurement you could measure the game at the rapids are thoroughly outplayed and deservedly it shows on the scoreline um on that note mark i'm just flat out not going to predict a prediction on this one huh. um or if anything if people really want to hold me to that i'll say wait for the lineup i guess mark do you want to give a prediction or do we want to tell people uh what's going on in terms of what we're going to be doing on match day with you here in town i love predictions i'll say we're going to go 2-2 uh match day i have no plans what do you think we should do matt 
Um, well, I'm definitely going on a hike on Saturday, but I mean, we should definitely hit up the tailgate. Well, I will be, be here, so that's good. Okay, it'll be uh, it'll be a normal it'll be a normal ticket. So I'll, I'll say right now, listeners, um, five o'clock at the absolute latest, but probably closer to four or four thirty. Mark and I will be in the parking lot, um, available for chatting, available for uh, in person ask HTHL selfies, autographs, and once again, this is your in person oh, opportunity to yell at us and tell us that this podcast sucks and we should stop doing what we're doing so uh we'll be available for that uh mark do we want to try and organize uh do we want to try and do something on sunday you're, you're going to be in town sunday night right mark so i'm i fly in sunday day i'm there sunday i uh, all there all day monday and then uh and then i'm and then i'm uh around on tuesday i think we should just meet up with people before the game but uh but that's that's my thing but i i would uh you know if we wanted to extend that out to like i don't know what you're doing on july 4th but if we wanted to extend that out to like you know, even earlier in the day for a pint or, uh, you know, uh, Frito, Frito pie or, or uh, French fries somewhere else in town. I'd be down for that, too. So keep up, keep up with us on Twitter and think about think about joining us somewhere out in town. Yeah, there is also there's a full slate of games on Sunday, Mark. Uh, there's games going from 3 p.m. all the way. There's a game at 7 p.m. as well. So um, maybe we'll hit up the Bulldog or Stoney's or something like that. Um all distinct possibilities so yeah stay tuned to us on uh to us on twitter folks um and then um you know i'll both on our personal accounts and then on hthl which we if we're doing anything but absolutely for sure at least two probably closer to two and a half hours before the game we will be uh in the parking lot you know chowing down um as uh um as the c38 tailgate uh officially goes 1776 and O in their all-time record as a mls pregame Okay, Rabbi. Anything else uh, today, or shall we get out of here? Let's let's call it a day, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You can purchase a Roughneck scarf or a Icarus FC kit and help out our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, makers of fine neckwear. Uh, we're into silk scarf season, Matt, and I feel like silk scarves silk scarves don't get the love that they deserve. It's really hard to come to a game at this time of the year wearing the wool ones. So uh, if you've never owned a silk scarf, I highly recommend it. They're they're light, they're they're simple, they're easy. They tend to be less expensive. Uh, you can sometimes you can score them as swag off of like free events, but you can find a nice silk one on Roughneck Scarves if you don't already have one. Um, check that thing out and maybe make some for your next big event. Icarus FC, also a wonderful sponsor. Matt, tell them how to hit us on the socials, uh, how to read our written content, or also um, how to get in touch with us if you have a question. Listeners, uh, follow us individually on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi and at LWS Matt Pollard. Check out all of our written content at Pittsburgh Soccer Now, lastwordonsports.com backslash soccer, and our substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. Head on over there and you can become a paid subscribing member to Holding the Highline. Get all the stuff that we're putting out uh, behind the paywall. Five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year. There's also a free option there. Just uh, view us in web format or drop us an email and then you'll get email anytime there's a free article that we post out mostly backpass i do have a few things in the works though on my end there uh if you want to hit up the podcast on twitter at rapids 96 podcast at gmail.com send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHL. or if you're not on twitter and want an update by we'll say saturday midday you can email us and i'll get back to you shortly at rapids 96 podcast at gmail.com listeners happy fourth of july happy birthday america and we will see you on Monday for 4th Fest. 